Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ball 5 Podcast, the inaugural episode of the Ball 5 Podcast. I am one of your hosts, DJ Lopes. I'm joined alongside my brother and my gracious co-host, Chris Lopes. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. We got playoff baseball coming up. How could I not be excited? I mean, there's plenty of reasons I could not be excited. I could be inc- incredibly nervous uh, at this upcoming Mets series that we're going to preview soon. But regardless of that, a uh, little bit of introduction to this podcast. I know my brother Chris has delved into the waters of podcasting before in his life, but I'm new to it. Uh, you know, this is my first venture on starting a podcast, and I believe it is my, uh, you know, pilgrimage as a white man, you know, every white man kind of gets to the point of their life where they say, you know what, I think people care about me enough to start a podcast. And I guess I'm starting that right now. But uh, yeah, Look, so this, this is, is good. This is therapy, okay? Okay. It's all right. Yeah, that's actually, and it's free. Um, yeah. So that's good. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a baseball podcast, mostly just general baseball, but we're also going to delve into some Mets specific stuff as both Chris and I are Mets fans. So I think our... Yes, very unfortunately. It's hard to say that, though. I mean, I get it after the last weekend against the Braves where they inevitably lost a division in that series after really not showing up. It's easy to say, unfortunately, but I guess we kind of really look a little spoiled <laughs> saying words oh, like this that is after, not, this after is after not an 101-win no- season. Do not act as if this is a normal thing. It's this not. This is the fourth 100-win hundred, hundred <laughs> season in franchise history. <laughs> All right? It's not, which is why... I think that it's, you know, we should we should be able to be a little bit, you know, grateful for it and not say, unfortunately, right off the bat. But, you know, that also brings us into the topic of today's episode. So today, uh, of course, on Friday, when this episode will be going up, we have the playoffs starting, the wild card starting. I think people had their thoughts on this when this was announced earlier in the season, but we didn't have a podcast then, so we didn't get to share our thoughts on it. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on this expanded playoffs? You know, in 2020, we had... I want to say it was 16 teams, which is a little ridiculous. That's how the NBA runs their playoffs, where more than half of the teams make the playoffs. But it was understandable in a 60-game season. And now they're going to a 12-team playoff, three wild cards on each side, as long with the division winners. Uh, what do you think about it? I think in the end, it's mostly a wash. But I think, ultimately, I don't love it. You know, um, I, I, I understand, you know, getting more and more uh, people into the game and getting more and more revenue, obviously, is what they're trying to look for, you know. Um, and playoff, ba- playoff baseball is exciting, blah, blah, blah. But I feel right now, going into it, that there isn't much excitement around these wild card games short of the New York Metropolitan series, you know, but I just feel like there is just some kind of, I don't know, relaxation around these wild card series. I don't love the idea that it can be, even though it's better than I guess a one game wild card, you know, um, I don't love the idea of a three game wild card that feels to me too, too short, too short of a series. Anything can happen in a three game series. I understand though, that's the incentive of to win the division. So there is that. I just feel like, It is a lot. um, I don't want to say it demeans the playoffs, but it just feels a little weird. And also you bring up basketball. I always thought and I love basketball. I love basketball playoffs, too. But I always have felt like the basketball playoffs are basically as long as the regular season. And I'm wondering, I know with the 162 game season, obviously, it's not going to feel that way. But I'm wondering how long these playoffs are going to feel for baseball. I think that's going to be less of an issue because, I mean, in basketball, you have to have built-in off days in between these games, obviously, because 
it's a lot more physical of a sport than baseball is, I would say. So you kind of have to have those off days, which is why the basketball postseason. And as two also Celtics fans who who witnessed that whole playoff run, I it was exhausting by the end of it. I felt like I played in some of those games mm. <laughs> by the end of that postseason, just because yeah. of how long it was. But I think that my only issue with it is that it's now causing it to be more compressed. Uh, these games, you're not going to get as much as many days off in between games, which is going to be a little interesting for bullpens. You you have to wonder how some of these teams are going to manage their bullpens, and a lot of these teams, like the Dodgers and Braves, who have these deeper bullpens, are going to benefit a lot more heading into this because they have a lot of guys that they can turn to and trust late in these games when you know you've already used your star your star reliever for for two games in a row, and you need that third game, which is why I think it's so interesting about this wild card series how they're doing it with the three-game series, I think it's super interesting, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. I'm actually kind of pro-wildcard, this expanded playoffs. I think it's caused for a little bit less excitement throughout the regular season because, I mean, we have an 86-win playoff team this year in the Tampa Bay Rays, so it's a little bit less exciting, but it is still, you know, we got two big... We got two big playoff trouts that ended this year, which is incredibly exciting, and, you know... It might not have been the case. These teams might not have wanted to try as hard for that third spot if that didn't exist. So I think that all in all, I think it's a good thing. I think it's fun when you can have a playoff that's, you know, on the weekend, it's going to be a full day of games for Saturday, at least. And depending on if these series go three games, Sunday as well. Uh, But enough about talking about the series in general. It's time to get into our series preview number one, which is for, of course... We've mentioned it multiple times. This is the series that we're going to be paying the most attention to over the weekend. It is going to be the Mets against the San Diego Padres. My first note on this doc that we share um, is just the word, ah, I'm nervous, like so nervous because I am. This is a very stressful series. As we mentioned before, the Mets kind of fell into this spot after this weekend, last weekend, losing two, I'm getting swept by the Braves and losing the division, and I think that it's definitely disappointing. I think that they're disappointed. I think that there's a lot of, I guess, you know, negative energy surrounding the Mets right now in a lot of circles, a lot of people, you know, being doomers about the Mets right now, but I think the way that I look at it, you still are looking at DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett in the three-game series. Scherzer is going to start on game one. That was just announced tonight, the night that we're recording this Wednesday, so... You're going to get Scherzer in game one. That's a playoff pedigree starter, a guy that's won a ring within the last couple of years. So I think that that's going to be a lot. And my big note on this is that those three can't flop for two weekend series in a row. Right? Right? Yeah. It, it I, can't I, happen. I don't think so. I, I, I am very nervous as well. But as my actual therapist says, you know, nervousness and excitement is the same feeling. You know, um, it's just it's just portrayed a little bit differently. Um, I I am nervous, you know, um, but I don't think that they can flop for two series in a row. I think that obviously and I don't think I'm I'm saying anything weird if I say this, but um, Atlanta's better than San Diego, you know, so I like to think that uh, that these guys will be able to to quell San Diego's bats. The one there's one person on San Diego that I'm so scared of, and it's not your Josh Soto. 
Uh, Josh Soto. Josh Jesus Soto. Christ. Jesus. Why did I just do that? It's not your. It's not your. Uh, I, I was reading Josh Hader and Juan Soto. Um, so it's not. It's not Soto. I, I'm nervous about you, Darvish. He's had the Mets number, and I just am afraid of starting off that game one with a loss. You, I feel like game one's a must win, right? Absolutely. You don't want to get put into a position where, even at home, that you want to win two games in a row. You never want to get put in that position. So I think, and that's why both of these teams are throwing out their absolute ace. I think San Diego's going to be looking towards Snell and Musgrove in games two, uh, Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove respectively in games two and three but you said it Darvish has absolutely carved up this Mets team in his two starts against them they looked completely hopeless against them in fact the game in San Diego basically the only times they got on were when they got hit by a pitch by Darvish Mm -hmm. uh, which is concerning especially with how the Mets how frequently the Mets got hit by pitches in this in this season so I think that that's definitely a concern I think that the big thing here is that It's kind of a story of two trade deadlines in this series. You have the Padres who, you know, clearly swung for the fences, hit an absolute homer on this um, this trade deadline, even if the results weren't incredible, as incredible as we thought they were going to be, with Soto kind of coming out the gate a little tough. And it's always tough to say that Soto's struggling, because Soto's struggling is like an 800 OPS. Soto's struggling is like, a top 25 hitter in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so he came out the he came out the gate a little cold. Josh Hader came out the gate terrible for the Padres. Absolutely terrible. It was genuine concern that they might fall out of the fall out, you know, of a decent spot in the playoffs because of how bad he was towards the back end of those games, but he seemed to have tightened it up a bit more. And then even people like Josh Bell and Brandon Drury, they had a big 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 trade deadline and those games that they played against the Mets were before that trade deadline, so this is an enti- almost an entirely new team that the Mets are seeing heading into this series. Whereas the Mets didn't change a ton, they obviously added Daniel Vogelbach, who brings a huge element to this team, especially in those starts that he's going to face Darvish and Musgrove. I think that that's kind of the X factor in this series, is whether or not having this new guy around, Daniel Vogelbach, is going to change stuff around. And then otherwise, I don't think Tyler Naquin's going to have too much of a fingerprint on this series. Neither is Michael Givens, I don't think. Um, if it's coming to a point where Michael Givens has to put a major fingerprint in the series, I think stuff may have gone wrong for the Mets leading yeah. up until this point. But I think the big thing about this series is that I think that both of these teams are very fun and very good. So I think you're going to get high-quality baseball. And most importantly, you're going to get a, a division series. Whoever comes out of this division series is going to have such a fun series against the Dodgers. It's going to be a, such a fun NLDS. And I mean, we we haven't gotten to mention it yet, but it, just some of the other guys on this team are are incredible. Manny Machado, I believe he's tied with, in Fangraphs where this is, I believe he's tied for the NL lead with Nolan Arenado. And that's a fun one. I know that the Effectively Wild podcast and, and episodes previous have mentioned this about the comparisons between Arenado and and Manny Machado and they've essentially been the same player production wise throughout this whole entire their whole entire careers and Manny Machado has just been had an incredible season this year 32 homers 102 RBIs um, uh, 159 OPS plus he's been absolutely lights out the season and he's Manny Machado on defense as well 
you know what you're going to get there. Uh, but even looking around, you know, obviously we mentioned Soto. Hasung Kim has been great this year, a huge improvement from what we saw last year. As well as being a great defender, which he was last year, he's also picked it up at the plate. He's been a league average hitter, which is more than you could say about what was what he was last year. And then you add that with, with guys that have, have been around like Jake Cronenworth and Trent Grisham. I think that this is a very scary team. I I think that this is, you know, a very good team. We've seen their struggles against the Dodgers. If they, you know, beat the Mets and go through to the Dodgers, I think that series is going five. If the Mets go through and beat the and beat the Padres and go on to face the Dodgers, I think that they are going to give the Dodgers five games as well. I think regardless, we're going to see high level baseball for two straight rounds, uh, with whoever wins this series. And I'm excited for it. How much do you think that the home field advantage is going to play for it? I'm thinking it's going to it's going to have to play big. You know, I think that given the extra rest day and the day off, the travel situation isn't going to be a huge deal, obviously. But I'm very intrigued. Um, There was a soundbite recently. I forget what player said it, but they said of of City Field in the playoffs that it's going to be very hard to play at City Field in the playoffs because of just the 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 environment and how loud it is. And this is actually less to do with the Padres, but I just want to throw this in here. I'm very intrigued about the pitchcom situation because we've already seen some players, and I don't want to get too boomer baseball on this. I don't really care about pitchcoms, but um, it's but, not the game. It's not the way the game's meant to be played. Damn it! But we we've seen some already. Uh, plenty of people having issues hearing hearing the pitchcoms, and to put that in a playoff atmosphere, which we haven't done yet, is going to be very entertaining, you know, or very interesting. Um, but I don't know. I I like to think that that. I, maybe it's me being hopeful, but I like to think that home field advantage is going to play um, well. I know San Diego has a very intricate ballpark with the cutouts and everything. I know that City Field is not crazy with that, but I both feel that they're both pitcher parks, you know? Um, so I don't think that park factor itself is going to come into play, but I think it's going to be the fans. And, and, and I'm hoping that the Mets play up to the fans um, and want to go out there night after night and play for city field so that's really what i'm hoping for definitely and i guess last bit on the series because we should probably move on to the other series as well and not give this one too much shine just because we're big fans of the team that's playing in it i'm gonna just give out my prediction i feel like both of us are gonna say the same thing and this is no disrespect to padres fans I easily see a world where the padres win this in three i easily see a world even where the padres could win this in two but I'm going to have to pick the Mets, and I'm going to pick them in three. I think that they get to Scherzer or DeGrom early in one of these games, and then I think that it's going to come down to Bassett versus Musgrove or Blake Snell. And I think that the big thing about having a guy like Chris Bassett as your three starter, he didn't show it in the in the last game against the Braves, but when he's on, he's very, very difficult to hit. And I think that he could prove big in this series. Obviously, Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell are, are nothing to scoff at either, but this is why it's going to be such a tough series. I think that these are the two best teams in the wild card point blank period, and they just so happen to be facing each other in the same round. It's very tough. Whoever has to go home at the end of this should not hang their head at the end of it, but it's just going to be a tough luck draw. You're seeing two teams right now that absolutely deserve to be in the NLDS. I'm going to yeah. go with the Mets in three. What do you say? 
it's definitely a hard shake. I do think that, you know, if you're any of these teams, and I, I'm going to include uh, LA in this because I think that if you're any of those three teams, um, the Mets, Padres, and LA, that is, you're you're looking at just such a tough road. And and I think it's just so, so interesting. Like you said, we're going to see such quality baseball. Maybe it is the homer in me. I said this about the Brave series in the Forgotten Podcast episode. I think the Mets are going to go for the sweep this one. I think that the Mets are going to win it in two. Um, and maybe that's because we're going to game two, and I really uh, have a vested interest <laughs> in seeing them win it there. Um, but I, I uh, ultimately, you know, I really think that that Scherzer is going to bring his A game, and I think we're going to take game one. And then I think DeGrom has been very shaky this year so far. I think getting the extra day um, and being very shaky for DeGrom isn't, isn't anything crazy you know um it's it's like he gave up four runs you know um but uh but i think we're gonna see degrom really reel it back it's it's gonna be his first playoff start in city field and he's just gonna be i think he's gonna be amped to the to the most um degrom amped that we've seen and um and i think he's gonna go out there and shove it so i should we should say probably first playoff start as like this version of DeGrom. Did he start at City Field in 2015? I can't remember. I don't think so. I think they said something where uh, this is actually his first um, playoff game. Let me, I can pull it up while we talk about the next thing, but. All right. So we'll, we'll get that tidbit in a little bit later, but uh, enough about this, this constant fandom favoritism showing away in the series. We're going to move on to the second series, which we're, we're going to stick in the NL. I think we're going to do the two NL ones, and then we're going to do the two AL ones, starting in, with this one, the NL series, which is the Philadelphia Phillies versus the St. Louis Cardinals. This one, I think, is going to be actually pretty fun. I think just because of the two dynamics yeah. you have between these two teams, you have the Cardinals, who are this team that is basically perennial playoff teams they're pretty much always going to be in it no matter how mid they are no matter how good they are no matter how even sometimes how bad they are they're probably going to be in the playoffs it's maybe a little bit on the nl central just being weak and as a division in general but i think it also speaks to the consistency of this team to be able to plug and play wherever it happens and be able to get that that production out of people i think it's a little bit of cardinals devil magic but regardless i think that they are pretty solid and a a generally fun team to watch and then we have the Phillies the team breaking one of the biggest the second biggest playoff drought in baseball I think it's 11 years it's been so long since they've made it to the playoffs it's genuinely incredible to see they get Dave Dombrowski they go all out in free agency they get Kyle Schwarber they get Nick Castellanos they say to hell with defense and somehow it all worked out they've been incredible the bullpen for the Phillies has been you know it's always been a, a cause for concern, and they added David Robertson over the trade deadline, but even then, other people have absolutely stepped up. Jose Alvarado has been incredible, This, especially in the second half. He's been absolutely incredible. So I think that these are two fun teams. The Phillies kind of started to teeter out towards the end of September, but started to pick it back up a little bit more towards the end in those series against the Braves and uh, the Braves and the, the Astros. They got a big win against the Astros in a in a must win game to to get that to get that playoff spot, but it's very funny to just have a a bona fide team in the Cardinals that make the playoffs almost every year versus a team that hasn't made it in eleven years essentially since I was almost in elementary school, in the Phillies. So, what are your thoughts on the series? 
I think ultimately going into it, it was very funny because you did have totally a tale of two uh, two stories. You know, you had the Cardinals who had this spot kind of locked up for a long time, you know, and then you had the Phillies whom seemed like they were trying not to make the playoffs only to the favor of the Brewers trying harder to not make the playoffs, you know? <laughs> so I think it's it's very interesting to kind of see the tale. You, you had, again, the Cardinals were doing kind of this swan song. The most interesting thing about the Cardinals was watching Pujols do what he was doing, you know? Um, but you also had the whole theatrics about Yachty and Wayno and everything as well. Getting, getting um, the, the, again, going to the Phillies though you had a team that was in some serious turmoil going into the last few weeks and and really questioning whether or not they were going to make the playoffs you know I do think that the Phillies are a fun team if they weren't in the NL East I think we've said it before you know Mets fans are very similar to Phillies fans and if they weren't in the NL East we would just be commiserating with each other I think I've always been a big I know I'm supposed to hate them but I, I just have a deep, deep respect for Phillies fans. And this is how I feel like in other in other fandoms, like with the Boston Celtics and the Phillies. I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers. Just, I, I am not the biggest fan of the team. I have a deep respect for the for the fans. And in this, this Mets-Phillies thing, I think it's because we're so uniquely, we find ways to be so uniquely shitty as franchises yeah. that I think, like you said, if we were not, in the same division, I think that there would be a lot more mutual respect between these two fan bases. But yeah, yeah I think that they're just two, two unique teams in in the ways that they try to mess stuff up. And I, I, I actually, hating aside, favoritism aside, I do enjoy this Phillies team. And I know Mets fans, if they ever hear this, would you know, <laughs> you know, put me at the stake for that. But I do. I, I think that this is a fun team. I, I like a lot of the guys in the team, and I think that this is going to be a really fun series. I, I actually want to watch this one. Yeah, well, definitely. And and I think, you know, what, what makes it an interesting series is, you know, kind of the calling cards of both teams. Phillies are going to come out, and they're going to they're gonna hit. They're not going to field. And I think watching their defense on a national television is going to be very fun um you know but but they're gonna go out and hit and they're gonna they're gonna play hard you know um I think Harper is just going to be such a game changer I think Harper uh you know I I not to again not to sound like the eye test I'd screw the advanced stats or anything like that but Harper really wants this you know after it's got to be so hard after seeing you know Washington win it and do all that stuff it's got to be it's got to be something that's in the back of his mind that he really has a chip on his shoulder. So I really think he's going to go out for it. And then we always know that the Cardinals are going to do some type of devil magic in order to win the series. So I think that it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that pitching wise, um, I think Phillies actually have the edge in this one just because of your Wheeler and Noah uh, Nola going into it. But who knows? I, I don't know what they're going to do in a playoff series, you know, because we haven't seen this. You know, I think that's going to be interesting. And and Cardinals always show up, but are they going to? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that we have anything official as far as probables for this series, but the way I'm projecting it out, it will be Wheeler, Nola, and Ranger Suarez if it gets to a third for the Phillies. And then for the Cardinals, I'm not actually sure, but if I had to guess, it would be some combination of Adam Wainwright, Jordan Montgomery, and Jose Quintana. And that's really interesting because Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana were not on this team heading into this year. But they've both been incredible since being traded over. 
Yeah. Jose Quintana has been really, really good. And he was really, really good in Pittsburgh. So it's not much of a surprise. Jordan Montgomery, he wasn't bad in New York, but he's just, you know, turned it on to another level. And we saw that immediately after he was traded to the Cardinals, but he's been a little bit slower since then, but still very, very solid. And I think the big thing about that is that if you run with that Wainwright, Montgomery, Quintana starting three, two of them are lefties. And as we've seen with this Phillies team, there's a lot of really good lefty hitters on that Phillies team. You've got, obviously, Bryce Harper. You've got Kyle Schwarber. You've got Bryson Stott, who's been on and off again. Started off really rough. Really started picking it up towards the midseason and, and towards September. Started cooling off a little bit more, but I think it's still very, very good. And then Brandon Marsh, who's been very, very good for them ever since getting traded over from the Angels. So I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to watch is how they handle the left-handers on this roster. Speaking of lefties in the other sense, the big one that I looked at, and I have a note in this, is, you know, we're probably going to see a Jose Alvarado, Albert Pujols playoff at bat in the late game situation. And I think that that's going to be so fun. Pujols is probably going to be the DH this, this series, just with how hot he was over the second half. I'm curious to see how that translates into the playoffs. I'm sure in front of the home fans... He's not going to be much different than he was in the entire second half, but it's interesting going to have him go against two righties in the first games of the series. Splits haven't really mattered too, too much to him in the second half, but regardless, we know that his bread and butter at this point in his career is hitting lefties, so you're probably going to get that against Jose Alvarado in a big late game situation, and that's going to be so fun. If it gets to a game three, you're probably going to see him against Ranger Suarez, which could be incredibly fun and I think that that's a big thing about the role that these old guys are going to play in the series I'm not sure you probably have Yachty catch Adam Wainwright just because of the chemistry there obviously you know it's done to death about how often they've (laughs) they've pitched together so I think you probably have him but I don't know man Yachty's bat and it's not like Andrew Kneiser is too too much better you know, it's a 76 OPS plus for Andrew Kniser, but for Yachty, it's 54. I just, I don't know with how, even with how good of a leader he is and how good he manages a, uh, a pitching staff, I just don't know how much you can lean on a 54 OPS plus guy in the postseason. So I'm really curious to see how they do that. If they're going to to lean more on Yachty for his playoff experience, or if they're going to go to Andrew Kneiser just to have a slight bit more edge on the on the hitting, and then otherwise, you know, we've have we've went almost this whole conversation without mentioning Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, which is weird because they're probably if not one and two, there's some combination of the top three for MVP in the NL. So yeah. I think it's kind of funny that we almost went through this whole segment and didn't mention them once, but. They're also two guys that are clearly, you know, this year good against both sides, but lean a little bit more towards hitting the lefties better. So that'll be interesting how they handle Wheeler and Nola. Nola's been pretty good, I believe, down the stretch. You know, Wheeler just came off the the IL a couple weeks ago. So, but I mean, he's he's Zach Wheeler. He's, you know, he's the guy you're going to want to give the ball to in a playoff situation. I think he's such a good pitcher. So... Mm. I think that this is going to be really fun. I think that this is, you know, it's it's probably not going to be in anybody's top two series. I think that when we get to, to Blue Jays, 
Mariners, that will probably get a little bit more eyes on it. But I think that this is going to be an incredibly fun series. Who do you think comes on top? Comes out um, on top. Comes out on top. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I can't get past Cardinals Devil Magic. I think Cardinals got it in three. I, think I like Philly. Yeah, I like the Phillies in this. I think that, I think that the Phillies are going to win in three. Yeah. I, I it's like. It's going to we- go either way. I don't think that any team has a stark advantage in this. You know. Yeah, I, I, I get that, but I, I like Wheeler and Nola too much. I actually, I do really like Ranger Suarez. I think that he's, he's pretty good. He's, he's been a bit down this year, but in general, he's pretty solid. I just, I like their pitching a lot. I like this offense a lot, boom or bust, you know, regardless of how it is. And then, you know, I think even with all the stuff we talk about their defense, it has shored up a teensy tiny bit with the introduction to people like Brandon Marsh, who's a pretty solid fielder. I think that they, I think that they can, can shock the world a little bit. I guess it's not shock the world if you're the, the wild card team winning a series, but as much as you could for a wild card series, I think that they're gonna they're gonna play a little bit spoiler here, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be regardless. I think it's gonna be super fun to watch. But I got Philly here. So as we move on from the NL series to the AL series, I think in my notes I started off with Rays Guardians, but I think we're gonna kind of push that one to the bottom because I think that the more exciting series here is the Mariners versus the Blue Jays. This is obviously two. Very, you know, two young, exciting teams. The Mariners, we mentioned the Phillies drought, double that, pretty much. And you have the Mariners drought. It's insane that we are finally in an era where we can say that Mariners playoff baseball is going to happen. And, by the way, the way that it happened was so exciting. A Cal Raleigh walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. Sure, it was against the A's, whatever. They're a division opponent. You see those guys a lot. They're going to give you problems. But it was just such an exciting, such an electric team this year with guys like Julio Rodriguez and now Luis Castillo and Eugenio Suarez picking it up. I'm just, I'm so excited for this series. Yeah, and and I think one other thing that you just mentioned, you just mentioned Castillo, but Seattle's pitching is very fun, you know, and they're going to, that's going to be a very thing. And not to demean Toronto either, because Toronto has some obviously very good arms as well, you know, but to see Luis Castillo again, um, Luis Castillo is one of my, one of my favorites. I, I don't really know why, but he's always been one of my favorites. And then to see, you know, Robbie Ray back that up and then to have one of the young guys from the Mariners um, pitch out of this one, either Kirby or Gilbert there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric, and it's just to see how they can handle it on a big stage, you know. But going on to the Toronto side, that same pitching thing, you, you got Manoa Gossman. That, that's, that's a top two that can go against anyone. And you may only need those two because the way that this wild card is, you know. So it's going to be, I think pitching-wise, it's going to be electric. I think obviously they both have decent offenses, obviously. I just said obviously a bunch of times. But they have really good offenses, so it's just going to be... I think it's going to go down to that starting pitching there. But Yeah, my thing is that I think that the bullpens on both of these teams are going to be super interesting. They're both uh, very interesting in the sense that there's not a lot of, like, name-brand talent you're not getting in, you know, uh, in Edwin Diaz or Josh Hader, even though he struggled. He's still name-brand reliever out here. You're not going to get a lot of name-brand talent. A lot of people are going to learn 
who like Jordan Romano is. A lot of people are going to learn who Paul Seawald is, or you know, you could you could really go down the list on on these bullpens on people you're going to learn about. Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, you know, on 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 Toronto side, guys like Adam Simber, David Phelps, and and the two guys that they got from the from the Marlins in exchange for Jordan Groshans have been pretty solid in limited appearances. Obviously, only so much can be said for since the since the All Star break, but Anthony Bass and Zach Pop have been pretty solid for them, both with an ERA under two since they've come along on on the squad. So I think that it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to how the bullpens go here. One thing that's interesting is if it goes to Game 3, I'm curious as to where Toronto goes. Now, I read an article from Fansided, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays blog on Fansided, that cited that they could be looking towards Ross Stripling for this spot. And you, you look at that and you go, Ross Stripling in a Game 3. But he's been very solid, a very steadying presence in that rotation, a 3 ERA. And... When you look at it, Jose Barrios, they gave him the bag earlier this year, but this just hasn't been his year. A 5.23 ERA, you know, he's given up 29 homers this year, which, you know, against a, a bit of a powerful lineup that has thumpers like like Julio and, and Eugenio Suarez is maybe not something you want in a do-or-die playoff game in a Game 3. So I think that's why they might go towards Ross Stripling a little bit more. So, but it's really a curious thing. Do you go with a guy that, you know, you gave him a bag for a reason. You trust him. You trust him out there in situations like that. Or, or if you've paid him that much, you should trust him in situations like that. Or, you know, Chicken Strip, Ross Stripling, yeah. who's been just, you know, everything that you could ask for in that rotation as someone who is more unheralded, but has still made 24 starts in that rotation and came up big when the team needed it. Yeah, I think um I think I I mean I think you have to go stripling there. I think even if you gave if even if you gave Berrios the money there, you can't play off of, well, we gave him a contract, we need to see him pitch, you know, you need to go on a, what have you done for me lately. He had just hasn't been there. I think, you know, stripling will probably do one of those three inning opener style or the mid opener starts, you know. But as you mentioned, the what with the wild card there, bullpen usage is going to be crazy. So you might actually need to ask these starters to pitch actual games. You know, you might actually need to ask them to go the five or six. Obviously, game three is going to be a little different because that's going to be in a do or die situation. Yeah. One thing I'm not looking forward to about this series, if we want to go there, is all three games look to be on ESPN. Damn, ESPN is going to go crazy about Adam Simber's delivery. <laughs> so I don't particularly enjoy that, nor do I am I excited to see that. But yeah, I don't know. I believe I believe every every wild card game is on ESPN or ABC, ESPN one, ESPN two. I think when it gets to the division series, you start getting TBSs and TNTs. But for now, it's all ESPN all the time, which we can get into national broadcasts a little bit later. I am not a fan of them. I typically don't listen to them very often. I think that there's a whole other conversation to be had about how exclusivity has taken away from these regional broadcasters that know the team and are so familiar with them, taking away that, that opportunity for them to get to call the team in their biggest moments. But we could probably talk about that at another time as well. I think we've talked so much about the pitching that we haven't gone into the offense, which is really Toronto's strength. They just have such a deep lineup. I'm looking at it right now. You know, I see, I think it's nine people, if I'm counting correctly, nine people in that 
list of hitters that have over an 100 OPS plus, which is insane, you know, led by guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., who I think this was a bit of a down season. Anything, anything is down from that season he had last year, but even still 32 home runs slash 273, 337, 479 for an over 800 OPS. And if you talk about people peaking at the right time, Bo Bichette has been coming off of an incredible month of September. And I think that that's exactly what you what you need out of this team. I think that he's one of the guys that you you really need to be to be going at this moment. I think that a big thing for this team, and I have a question about here is on like, does the 2020 postseason appearance really help you uh, in this series? I think in a sense it helps Toronto in that they've seen what the three game playoff series structure looks like. And now they get to do it at home where we've seen it in, I believe it's 2016. We've seen it in years past. That place gets rocking when that team is good. They, they, and it's, it's one of those things that we've seen with, with teams in Canada for a while. You know, this is everything super regional in, in American baseball with your, you have two teams in New York. If you're from this area of New York, you have a team. If you're from this area of New York, you have another team. If you're from a certain state, you claim that team. Basically, the country of Canada, in in most respects, claims Toronto as their team. And when you have, uh, you know, uh, essentially a whole country, and even then, uh, you know, Toronto itself, just the people that can go, are get so loud. It's it's going to be such an interesting thing to look at when when you look at playoff crowds, especially since there weren't any playoff crowds in that first round of the wild card when when Toronto was there. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think that that experience gives them too much, but I think what does give them a lot is George Springer. George Springer, asterisks or not, on those playoff runs for, for Houston was incredible in the playoffs, especially in 2017. So I think that he's going to be a, a huge person in that line in that lineup, you know, helping everybody stay calm, stay level when everything is, is going crazy in the games. And I think that that's going to be huge for them. And I mean, you can look at it on Seattle. There's not a ton of playoff experience on this roster. Obviously, if you're dealing with a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 20 years, you're not going to see a lot of of people that have played in the playoffs, but you basically have Carlos Santana as far as hitters, and he's made it to a World Series. He's actually been halfway decent. I mean, you know, he's hit 191, but still OPS plus hovering around average. He's been okay for the team, but other than that, you look at this whole roster and it's not a lot of playoff experience. And I think that that's what's fun uh, about this, you know, this, the way that this Mariners team made it in. You're going to get a lot of people making, making a name for themselves in the playoffs for the first time. And I'm just so excited for this series. I think that both teams are going to be up for it. One thing that I'm curious about is Robbie Ray. We've seen... Robbie Ray at his at his highest in Toronto. We've seen Robbie Ray have a bit of a down year this year. I mean, 371 ERA, pretty solid. He was pretty solid for for a decent amount of the season, but we've also seen a Robbie Ray that's tend to blow up and starts because of his control issues. And also, he's some guy that gives up the home run a lot. 32 home runs this year. So that's going to be interesting to see how he shows up. Obviously, he's going back to Toronto for the first time. 
You know, I don't want to speculate on his vaccination status at the moment, but he was not vaccinated when they went up to Toronto earlier in the year. And now that they are allowing unvaccinated players into Toronto for for games in this playoff series, it's going to be interesting how the crowd reacts to him because he didn't necessarily do, you know, do Toronto dirty, but he did win a Cy Young there. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in front of the in front of that crowd, if that energizes him to see how they how they react to him. That's the start I'm really curious about. I think that regardless, Jose, I I think I was thinking about Jose Bautista because I mentioned 2016 earlier, but Luis Castillo is probably going to give you a good start. It's untold whether Logan Gilbert or George Kirby is going to do that, but that's the exciting thing. The real unknown here, I think, is Robbie Ray. And I think that that's what turns the series around. If Robbie Ray is good, I think that the, the Mariners can pull this off. If Robbie Ray is bad and they just completely, you know, trounce on him in game two. Who knows if they who knows if that's gonna be the clincher, if that's gonna take it to a game three. But I think that that's gonna be really interesting. Uh, and I think that he's kind of the X factor. If he can turn into gem, I really like Seattle's chances. I, I think I'm actually gonna go I'm gonna pivot again a little bit and I'm I think I'm gonna go Toronto on this on the sole fact that I think their just lineup is a little bit more consistently deeper. You know, I think that obviously Seattle's got a lot of thumpers, but I think that I think that Toronto is just going to give you a little bit of consistency there. And yeah, we don't have a lot of experience on this team, you know, but I think that these young kids are going to, are going to go out there. And I mean, this is how you get experience, you know? So exactly. um, I think they're going to go out there. I think it's a good matchup for them. I love Seattle. I think they're going to be playing with a lot of heart, but it's not like Toronto has had a lot of success out here in the playoffs in the past few years, you know? So, so it'd be, I think it's just going to be interesting to see, uh, to see these, you know, these kids play. And I think that this is going to be another really good one. I think it's going to go to three and I think you're going to see just the consistency and the home field kind of play for Toronto and go there. So. I think in general this one's probably going to be the most watched series in in all of the in all of the playoff ones. I think they have early. I want to say they have the four o'clock games in games one and two. I forget what they have for game three, but I think that this is going to be one of the most watched the most watched playoff series. Even when you look at Mets Padres, those might be the two best teams. I think that these are the two most exciting teams in the playoffs, and I think that that's what's going to get a lot of eyes on baseball. This series being exciting, and we talk about the the health of baseball is baseball dying a lot. I don't really care for that much. I think that this series is going to get a lot of people into into the sport, and that's yeah. what I like the most about it. I think that this series is going to be very fun. I, I can't wait for it. Like I said, I think I'm going to go Seattle in this one. I I just I'm a sucker for a good story. I picked both of the teams that had the longest playoff dress to make the to make the division series. Maybe that says something about me. And maybe I'm a narrative guy, but whatever. I think that that's going to be super fun, and and I like the I like the Mariners there. Now, from the most watched series to maybe what's going to be the least watched series, no fault of the players and the teams. I think that they're both very exciting, but it's just not two teams with a lot of people that I don't want to say care. But I think anytime you have a, a series with the Rays in it, and we are talking about the Cleveland Guardians and Tampa Bay Rays, I think anytime you have a series with the Rays in it, they just they they do it with such unheralded names and, and such people that you don't really recognize watching off off the bat that any series with them is probably not like too watched I would say I guess but I still think that this is going to be a fun series. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this one kind of mirrors, not really mirrors, I guess, but this one is going to be your your um, your inexperience versus uh, relative experience. You know, I think that Cleveland's going to be really interesting in this one. And I think this one is going to be big for the three game win the first two and go home type system because if you're throwing Shane Bieber and and McKenzie here I think you got a good chance to to lock it up in those first two you know as good as the Rays are I think that you got a good chance to do it those are two really good names there and if they're just pitching the way that they can I I think that you can scratch out a few you know three run games I, I don't think there's going to be barn burners on either sides of these on the, this one you I know, think that the um, pitching is too good for that to happen yeah. on either side yeah I just I think that it's going to be I think this one is going to be a two a two and oh one and and I think you know not to not to play my cards too early but I think Cleveland's got this one just on the fact that Bieber and McKenzie, I think, are just going to show up. McKenzie is a really interesting one because obviously we don't know uh, what he'll do in playoff wise, but I think it's going to be fun. And I I really want to see Jose Ramirez be the center of a team that does something, you know, definitely. And not to not to spoil it too early, but I do like Cleveland here as well. I, I don't know. I think they're when you see like the list of playoff teams, Cleveland is not one that you rank too high in regards of just like pure talent, but I just, I really like them. I really like Cleveland. I think that they have pitching. That's just super exciting. We mentioned Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, but you look even deeper than that. We look at who could get that, that game three ball and it's Cal Quantrill or, or Zach please And I don't think it's Zach please but it's either Cal Quantrill or Aaron Savale. I would lean towards Quantrill. Quantrill is very good. I think that they were going to look at him in a hybrid bullpen rotation position this year, but he ended up being a guy that got 32 starts this year and was very, very solid. I really like Cal Quantrill. And then the bullpen, man, Emmanuel Classe is, we talked about name brand closers. He should be someone who's a name brand closer because he's just so exciting with the pitches that he throws. He throws in a hundred mile an hour cutter. That should be, you know, grounds enough for him to be name brand. Everybody should know his name. But even you look a little deeper than that, this whole bullpen is pretty good. Eli Morgan has been pretty solid. He throws a lot of really good change-ups. If you're looking for a guy that's going to be on Pitching Ninja a lot, we mentioned... Actually, I think that this is probably Pitching Ninja's favorite team of choice as far as gifts go. You have Emmanuel Classe's cutter. You have Eli Morgan's change-up. You have... He's a, he's a big fan of Tristan McKenzie because, you know... It sticks. How could you not love him? He's he's so tall, so skinny, and he's. I think that that plays into his hand so well because oh, yeah. the the ball is just so live out of his hands. He's he's just very fun to watch. I'm excited to see him in the playoffs. I'm a little upset. That I'm gonna go to something that we we do every day. The Wardle, I believe it's called MLB Pickle nowadays. But the Wardle, I remember very specifically earlier in the year. He was one of the he was one of the players for this, and I didn't get it right because it had him listed as a closer. But he has made thirty starts this year, and that's just why I wanted to say it. He's not a he's not a reliever. I don't know why they ever had him listed as one, but he is a starter, and he's such a good one. And even if you look a little lower in this in this bullpen, I kind of thought that the sticky stuff ban was gonna be what brought game James Karinchak down. It kind of seems like he was one of the biggest drop-offs after after the 
after the sticky stuff band and, and correlation doesn't always equal causation, but it kind of seemed like he was, he was using sticky stuff. His spin rate just completely tanked and he just became so, so much less effective. And I know that some pitchers have, have kind of found ways around it. I think that there's been, there's been some speculation and spin rates have been up league wide. So I don't, I don't want to speculate too far on that, but he's been absolutely great so far this year. It, actually, I remember on the Apple TV game they had him. They had him. They had the umpire sift through his hair uh, a lot. I thought that that was pretty funny. But James Karinchak has been good. He's a maniac on the mound. I I just can't imagine when he comes off if he pitches like a big seventh or eighth inning and he comes off and the Cleveland card is rocking. I don't. I almost don't want to know what he would do because I if you see what he does in front of like the Detroit crowd who has like two thousand people in the crowd on like a Wednesday night and he's, he's throwing his arms up. He's like doing the, the get at me stuff like that. If he's going to do that on a road crowd in front of like 2000 people on a Wednesday night, who knows what he's going to do on a Friday or Saturday in front of a crowd like that. And I mentioned the crowd, it's going to be in Cleveland, but that Cleveland crowd gets up for the playoffs. We've seen it in, in 2016. Obviously we saw it in, in recent years, I forget exactly which year it was, but there's always a, a playoff clip that goes around of Francisco Lindor hitting a grand slam against the Yankees, and it just absolutely sends the crowd into a frenzy. That is such a good crowd. They they really show out for them, and I can't wait to see what that looks like. But I guess we, we should show some love to the Rays here. The Rays are, you know, I don't think that there's any way other to say that to say this than they're the Rays. They're a team that doesn't have a lot of names names on them. Shane McClanahan is probably the Shane McClanahan and Wander Franco, I would say are probably the biggest names on this team. And even then, they're probably not somebody's like, you know, if you ask them to name 20 to 25 players, they're probably not going to be on the list. You're probably not going to hear them say Shane McClanahan or Wander Franco. No no disrespect to either of them as players. Both of them are phenomenal, but they're just they don't have a lot of super heralded guys, but they have a lot of people that that know their role and play super well to their role. And that's mainly on the on the bullpen. I think that they have the biggest next to the Dodgers, they have the biggest just like pluck guys out of a role and then all of a sudden they throw ninety eight and have a nasty slider. You look at guys like Pete Fairbanks who struggled, I believe, in the Texas Rangers system and then came over and now he's been Incredible. 1.13 ERA, 24 games, but regardless, he's very good. Guys like Jason Adam, who has a 1.56 ERA in 67 games. Brooks Raley has been great. Just a, a ton of guys that you don't really know off the top of your head, but are going to give you solid innings and, and pitch super well. And that lends to the rotation as well. Drew Rasmussen, he was in the news recently because he had that almost perfect game. He was very, very good this year. Jeffrey Springs has been very, very good this year. So I think that when you talk about the Rays, you talk about pitching. And that's where their strong suit is. I'm really curious as to where Tyler Glasnow plays in on this series. He's probably going to get a start because he's Tyler Glasnow. He's one of your top guys. I don't know if it's going to be in two or three. I don't know when they're going to look to him. I don't know how they're going to use him because he's had, I think, maybe one or two starts this year so far. I can actually yeah. check that right now. He He's had two starts this year. Two pretty solid starts, but two short ones. He's only pitched six innings this season. So I'm curious as to how they do him, how they, how they use him in this playoffs. They probably piggyback him. 
start them off or, or maybe they do an opener game with with one of, you know, Jeffrey Springs or or even like a Garrett Clevenger. I'm curious as to how they use him. I think that it's probably going to be a bullpen game with him, whether he's setting the table or if he's coming in and giving you the three or four innings after the opener gives you those innings. I'm I think that he's going he could be a really big he could be a really big factor and how this series plays out, how they want to use Tyler Glass now. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see that probably, like you said, three-inning game out of him. I think knowing the way that teams have handled the playoffs, you're probably going to see him in that relief role, and I think it's going to be a big a big you know, spot for him. So and I'm, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how he plays out in a relief role. Because he, he does have that fastball. He does have a big hulking curveball. I am curious to see how that plays out, how his repertoire would play out in, in a bullpen situation, especially since you already have so many arms in that bullpen that I'm sure Kevin Cash, you know, believes that they've earned that spot. And I, like I said, I'm just super curious. I, I think that he's going to be a guy that starts, gives three innings or so, and then you bullpen out the rest of the game, mm-hmm. and you hope that. And this this is a team where that three game series really is interesting, because if you go three games, you're probably going to have some people pitching three days in a row. You're probably going to be leaning on that bullpen a lot, unless you know Shane McClanahan gives you seven or eight innings, or Drew Rasmussen gives you seven or eight innings. I'm super interested to see how they play. We've mentioned teams with a lot of thumpers. This is decidedly not a team with a lot of thumpers. <laughs> Their their two home run leaders are Randy Rosarena and Isak Paredes, and both of them only have 20 home runs. So this lends to what you were saying about not having a lot of runs maybe scored in this series. Even on on Cleveland's side, they only have two 20 home run hitters, and that's Josh Naylor at exactly 20. And Jose Ramirez at 29, who he's been slow in the second half. He he's really had a lot of struggles going, but he's also the superstar. He he's the guy that is has the most playoff experience on this team, and I think that he's going to be. It's you know I guess a little cliche to say that the the superstar of the team is their X factor, but I I think he really is. I think that as far as this team could go, I'm gonna have to double check the bracket. I don't remember who they face. If they were to go through with this, but I think that they go as far as they go as far as he goes in terms of, of how, how long they go. And they actually face New York. If they win, whoever wins, this goes to face New York, which is going to be really interesting. I think of all of the top seeds, I don't want to say New York is the weakest because once again, they're an incredible team, but there have been question marks in the past with that Yankees team this year, and and I don't think that they stooped that low again to where they were earlier. But this is also a discussion for for maybe a week or so from now. Yeah. But back to back to Tampa Bay, Cleveland. I think that I really like Cleveland because they have that that roster construction that I, I find really fun of just a lot of really good pitchers and one like really, really superstar. They have stars like Andre Jimenez and Steven Kwan who have been not like lightning in a bottle. I'm trying to find the right phrase because they're, they're obviously not going to be this year and gone. I think that these guys have some real staying power as far as their talent goes, but... Got to start somewhere, you know. Yeah, real... 
I guess surprises because I don't think anybody really expected these these seasons out of both of them. I actually I did like Stephen Kwan heading into the se- heading into the season. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm a guy that that handpicked Stephen Kwan out of like a prospect list and said that uh, I I wanted I you know thought that he was gonna be really good. But I will say like I, I saw people at at Fangraphs and Effectively Wild and I saw Foolish Baseball. Shout out Foolish. Uh, I'll I. We'll probably link this video in the show notes. He was one of the hitters that he really liked heading into the season, so I wanted to keep an eye on Stephen Kwan, and he's been super fun. He's been exactly what what people were thinking. He's just a high contact, low power guy that's really exciting. Plays a lot of good defense, and you know he he wasn't. Ex- he, I don't think that people were really expecting him to be the 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 left fielder for the playoff Cleveland Guardians, but he is, and I don't think that people were expecting Andres Jimenez to be the playoff starter second baseman and probably you know like lead off or two hitter for for the for the Cleveland Guardians but they just have a team that I really really enjoy I think that this one ends in two I'm just and you know it's probably dumb to count out the the Rays just because they they don't have a lot of they have a lot of unknowns and and you know a lot of uh, maybe question marks with how injured they've been this year and they're going into this series coming off of nine straight away games to into three more away games. So I think that there's just a lot of a lot more question marks with that race team. I really like the Cleveland Guardians, and I think that this is the only one that I would, with relative confidence, say would be a sweep. I think that I could see, I mean, I could obviously see all of these series going to three games. This is the one I could most conceivably see ending in two. I agree. Uh, you know, with everything you said, uh, I think Cleveland in two. I think, um, you know, uh, the way that I imagine it is is Jimenez gets on. I think you're going to get a uh, double from um, Jose Ramirez and drive him in. And then Naylor is going to hit a two-run shot. And that's going to be your, your scoring for the games, you know. Um, I, will, I think it's going to happen. I will like keep that. track of that exact turn of events. And if they happen... I don't know. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll 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 pay for something for you, if if that exact turn of events happens in the Cleveland Guardians game, and that's how they score their runs in a in like a three to nothing shutout game. Um, but so I think that that concludes our our going over of all of the wild card series. But I did just super quick lightning round. We don't have to explain much about it. I did just want to go through all of our playoff picks. So for me. I guess I'm just going to pose these questions to you and then we'll just do lightning round. I'll see how I can remember how your, how your picks fit into this and we'll just run through it and then we'll, I'll, I'll run through my picks. So I believe you said St. Louis for St. Louis and Philly. Yep. I think devil magic St. Louis. All right. And then I, you said Mets for, for Mets Padres. Yep. Mets Padres. You said, I think you said, did you say Toronto? I did say Toronto there. Yep. And then Cleveland. So uh, we'll start in the AL, working in reverse order than what we just said there. Cleveland, Yankees. Yankees. All right. Toronto, Houston. Houston. All right. Mets, Dodgers. Mets. I'm a homer. (laughs) And then lastly, Phillies, Braves. Braves. All right. So we've gone on to now the NLCS and ALCS. That leaves us. Uh, a 2017, a 2019 ALCS rematch. Houston versus the Yankees. I 
think it's revenge season. I think Yankees going. All right. And then Mets, uh, Mets Braves. Mets getting their revenge season. <laughs> I think the Mets going. I think it's going to be a Subway Series. Again, this is so a homer a in subway- me. I'm a subway, a subway series, series, a Subway Series World Series. Aaron Judge playing against his future team for for one last series for all the marbles, and then in that series, in Aaron Judge's farewell series to the Yankees and welcome series to the Mets, who do you have winning it? I'm a homer. I'm taking the Mets. I, I got the Mets going all the way this year. I think from the wild card, it's an incredibly difficult path just because of usage and everything. But I really do, I I feel something different about this team. And I think that if you get Marte coming in the second in the championship series, you're going to have a jolt. You just need to get through San Diego, and I think we're going to push through from there. Now I'm going to sound like a doomer. (laughs) Yep, you're a doomer. You're probably getting Dodgers over them, huh? Yes. So for my... I feel like I, I'm picking all the favorites here, which which sucks. I It feels like super anti-smart baseball dude to just pick all the favorites. But also, like, when you look at how these top four teams have looked this season, I think it's just the, the kind of clearest pick. So, like I said, I am going to go Philly in that series, but I am going to have the Braves win in the NLDS. And then I I do have the Mets winning that wildcard series, but I do have the Dodgers uh, winning that NLDS, which will give us the Braves, Dodgers, the rematch of 2020, and the 2021. No, that was the CS in 2021 as well. So the last two, uh, it'll be the round three of the Braves, Dodgers, NLCS, and then we have Cleveland and the Yankees. I'll go with the Yankees, and then I had Seattle over Toronto against Houston. I think that Houston's just a bulldozer this year. Houston's going to take down Seattle. And then I'm going to have uh, Houston also taking down the Yankees, which will... Oh, I forgot to mention, I would also have the Dodgers over the Braves. And then I think in the rematch of the 2017 World Series, no buzzers, no bullshit. I'm going to have the Houston Astros winning the World Series. Interesting. Dodgers still come up short. Still going to hold on to their Mickey Mouse championship. <laughs> Joking. I don't think it's a I, Mickey I guess, Mouse championship. I, I think, think you have that to play would... the games that are in front of you, but... <laughs> I think that that would be maybe the funniest aspect. It would suck for discourse because we would have we would have to relitigate the damn Astros discourse with all of these rematches happening in the playoffs. So I, as little as I want to relitigate all of these discourses, I just think that year in year out the Astros are the the most solid, the most talented team. They they run well and they they even find these diamonds in the rough in the bullpen that that carry them through and we'll, we'll go into this deeper when we, when we cover the rest of the playoffs later, but yeah, I, I really like Houston. Yep. So you're going, uh, you're going boring old favorites and I'm going to go dumb subway series. So we'll yes, see. I, I am the guy in March madness when the 11 seed makes it to the elite eight. I'm the guy that says, all right, can they lose now? So I can finally see the two good teams play. Well, hey, in March Madness, it always always seems to to fall into the the top teams playing in the end. So, absolutely, and that, that's what I think that this is going to turn turn into. But uh, I think that does it for the first official episode of the Ball Five podcast. I hope you guys will will be willing to stick around with us for the whole postseason. I promise we'll get better at this. I don't think that the takes may not get better. I, I think that you're kind of stuck with what you got here, but 
I hope that the production gets better and then I hope, you know, our, our work gets a little better and we can put out something that a lot of people are really proud of us included. So I hope you're, I hope you guys are going to be willing to stick with us for this, this journey. I'm really excited. Uh, the playoffs are, are one of my favorite seasons of all time. I, I love October for the sole reason. Cause I just love watching playoff baseball. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope all you guys are looking forward to it. And I hope to hear you guys, uh, to listen, to have you guys listen to us on the next episode of the Ball 5 Podcast. Thank you, and have a good one. Yep, see y'all.